0: Hello and welcome to episode 270 of the Random Town podcast. I'm Jason.
1: I'm Angel. I am Kevin.
0: And we are calling this episode, And the Winner Is, which I frankly am shocked we have never used in all our years of covering the Game Awards and sharing our own Game of the Year winners, and yet, you know, here we are, doing those things in this episode with that title. As we do. Uh, f- yeah, future us will have to get a little more creative, but that's a problem for them, not us. We're We're going to do And the Winner Is. Um... But I do like to think that the title works on a second level too, because so the games are going to be, uh, talked about as well that you guys have been playing. I know Kevin, you have Shimagawa Tensei 5, uh, Angel, you're revisiting Pokemon Unite. Both of those have battles with winners, I yeah. right? Yeah, so there's winners there. This, <laughs> this works. Really left.
2: I don't know if I caught it revisiting, but yeah, I'm playing it.
0: Well, revisiting on the show. Uh, Checking back in. How about that? Checking back in. Yeah,
1: I'm that back. works.
0: Um, yeah. But yeah, so those are the, those are the highlights, uh, all of which are timestamped over at the blog posters episode, roundtown.com. Uh, full disclosure, we don't have any coverage of the indie world presentation in this episode because, um, we're recording this a little earlier than usual and it hasn't actually happened yet for us. So we'll maybe cover it in a future episode if there's any highlights. But yeah, indie world, you're on your own listener. You're going to have to form your own opinions on that one, but sprinkled throughout instead, uh, I'm going to be dropping some little jason sales nuggets become sales snacks maybe like i could do a normal jason sales corner but it's the holidays and you know nothing says the holidays like having little treats that some people find delicious and other people find absolutely disgusting and this is that you know everyone's got that holiday thing that some people don't like like i don't like eggnog i don't understand how people like eggnog i don't know if you you guys have anything i don't i I don't know it's the concept's weird eggnog is
1: is one of those things that's that's that knows its place in the world you know because it's like have
0: you tried it Way back when, and I like did not, the texture just did not sit well with me. Maybe I should try it again now that I'm an adult, but.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, that knows it's time. It comes in towards the end of the year and takes off before we're like absolutely sick of it, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like it's very, it's, it it's fleeting and as a result, it's manage, it's bearable. So it's kind yeah, of exactly. It, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, Angel, do you have a holiday treat that like most people, you know, maybe get, they may force it on you and you find it absolutely disgusting? I know some people are very finicky about like ginger gingerbread.
2: Thing is ever forced on me for a snack, but I think I'm indifferent towards eggnog, as well as mm-hmm. um you know the gingerbread stuff. I'm not the biggest fan of gingerbread cookies. I Think they're too crunchy for my taste. Um, a little too cinnamony. At least I haven't had one that I've loved. Although if you take the concept of what they taste like. And just make it a little chewier, maybe add a hint of chocolate in there, and maybe whatever, I guess brown sugar. Hmm. I don't know. We might have something there. It sounds maybe like you have
0: an entire different cookie at that point, but it does sound good.
2: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to <laughs> eat a gingerbread at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah gingerbread, but... it has, I mean, it's used more for architecture than I feel for eating. I feel it's described more as.
0: I mean, you know people don't just bake houses out of gingerbread, right? Like, there's round gingerbread cookies that are just served on plates that people just eat. Wow. It's not like plywood where it only has one purpose, <laughs> purpose <laughs> to build a house or something, but yes. But I guess um point is, the sales data, depending on who you may ask, is that holiday treat or disgusting thing you don't like or something you need to add salmon to. Um And just like in the holidays, I you never know when I'm going to drop a sales snack this episode. they going to kind of come and go. So uh let's just jump right in see what happens um first up we've got what we've been playing and for this episode it's literally all you two i think um the biggie of which is probably specifically you kevin uh with the long-awaited switch exclusive Shimagami tensei 5 which is finally available
1: finally available yeah uh shimigami tensei 5 i've been playing for a bit not too much uh that's on me because i haven't paid too much attention to my switch gaming recently but from what i've played i'm having a good time uh i played a ton of shimigami tensei 4 on the 3ds i really really like that game but this one just hasn't grabbed me as much as that one did to my surprise uh hmm. i'll get to why in a second but in uh smt 5 you play as a high schooler who winds up in this uh i guess this post-apocalyptic version of the real world of like real world tokyo called dat uh d-a apostrophe a-t so dat uh I never get tired of saying dat. It's a it's a fun word. <laughs> uh in debt there are yeah, it rolls out the tongue, that? right? It's like dat. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh so in there there are these uh demons that you fight with the help of a god called uh Man, I'm gonna butch this uh Algami, I believe is its its name. And you fuse with it and then you become this I guess this creature, this being, I don't know if you necessarily become a demon, but then you become this sort of God called Nahobino, which looks like the main character, but in like, uh, this sort of, I don't know if I would call it a Robocop suit, but I don't know. If, if you want to see what the main character looks like, just go ahead and Google it. You'll, you'll find it pretty easily. Um, utilizing, uh, Algami's power, you will travel around that in order to return to like your world and your friends that you got separated Like, right at the beginning of the game. So far, I'm not necessarily feeling the setting. I preferred SMT4's initial setting and its setup, for that matter, uh, much better. In that game, you sort of started out in this feudal Japan-era setting where you were a samurai tasked with hunting demons. But, I will say, uh, about 15 to 20 hours into that game... It had a pretty wild twist that it like kept that kept me going. Uh, and I'm sure this game will have something along the lines of that. I just haven't gotten to there yet, uh, mainly because this game is actually pretty tough. As I've stated multiple times before, these Shimigami Tensei games are just Pokemon for nihilists, uh, and this one <laughs> I love ab- that description absolutely <laughs> continues the trend. Uh, It has the same turn-based battle system as uh, the previous games and as the Persona series. But specifically, this one has the system called the Press Turn System, where exploiting an enemy weakness will grant you another turn that uh, you could use as uh, the character who exploited that weakness, or you could pass it off to another character or one of your teammates. Uh, And those teammates are composed of the demons that you're actually fighting. If anyone's familiar with the Persona games, or I guess specifically Persona 5, uh, in that game you're able to talk to the demons to add them to your list of Persona that you use in battle. Uh, And actually Persona 5 actually ripped that off from uh, the Shimigami Tensei games. Because in the Persona games, you acquired these demons slash Personas through other means, uh, Well, in the Shimogami Megami Tensei you had to talk to the demons that you were fighting. And sometimes, and they'll just ask weird things of you. They'll ask you these vague, vague questions that you just have to, that you will then get a list of answers. And you're like, you got to pick one of those answers and you have no idea if it's the right answer or not. And you just got to hope that you don't piss off the demon. Because if you do, you lose your chance of recruiting that demon. And then they will fight you even harder than before. Um, and then some of them will ask for, like, money. Some of them will ask for a little bit of your life force. And what's worse is that sometimes, like, they will trick you into giving, like, money. And then they'll just bounce. And it's like, okay, well, you just lost a bunch of money because you thought that was going to get that demon to join your team. Um. Mm. Uh,
0: but in Persona 5, 5... Oh, yeah. Go for it. So, I was just going to say, since you're mentioning, since you're doing the Persona Shimigami comparison, and I, I try home... not
1: to. I try not to because I know the Shimigami Tensei fans really nowadays dislike the comparison to the Persona games.
0: Well, but, then they're going okay. to hate Womba asks. As I okay. say, for those at home who may not know the difference between the two, by which I mean me, what is, in a nutshell, the difference besides the battle system? It sounds like that's different.
1: But So the the battle systems are, are actually very, very similar. The difference is. is the persona games are sort of set set in like contemporary times and you play as a high schooler that that actually goes to school and you know you have to study for tests that or like your exams uh mm-hmm. you have to work on your your uh relationship skills you like you'll go to the movies and that'll uh up your courage like you'll see you'll see a a movie an action movie and that'll up your courage or you'll see a romance movie and that'll make you uh like a better smooth talker when when talking to people these games these Tensei games have nothing like do not deal with that at all these are way more hardcore than the persona games and i know some persona fans might be mad at me for saying that it's the truth i've, I've played both of these series <laughs> enough to know to know the difference and i like them both uh you know what i was about to say i like them both equally i i very much per- prefer the persona games uh as opposed to these, these, but yeah, these are definitely way more hardcore, um gotcha, uh, one of the differences actually between the persona games and these in persona, your fellow classmates will like join you in your adventures, right, so they will be your teammates out in in the battlefield here, it's more of like think the double battles in Pokemon. Where you will have two mm-hmm. Pokemon out at the same time. Here you will have three Pokemon up at the same time, or three demons, and you also have yourself, right? Um. And in wait, where, where is it? Oh, and then like, uh, one big change that this one has over the 3DS Shining Intense uh, Four is that in those battles on the top screen, you essentially had what were your enemies, like your enemy demons. And then the background will match whatever like area you're in, so if like you're in the park, you had this uh this nice little park background, or if you're in the city, you would have like buildings in the background. But when it came to your side of the battle, you were like essentially delegated uh to the bottom screen and it would just be like a picture of the persona or yourself and like with this silver background here you everything is rendered out in three d you know which is like a nice change change of pace. Um so you're rendered in 3D and the demons are also rendered. And the demons are the same ones that you'll see across Alice's other RPGs. So you'll have like Pixie, which is one of the earliest demons slash personas that you'll get in these in these games, or you'll have like the Bicorn, the Unicorn character. And similar to Persona and the other games, you can fuse them uh to create stronger demons, and then You'll gain their powers and yada yada yada. It, it's it's more or less the same so far that what what I've had. Um, and then of course those demons that you have on your team will also have weaknesses themselves that the enemies can exploit. And when they exploit them, they can easily turn the tides in battle because then they'll just stack up a crazy amount of turns bef- that they can execute before you even have a chance to retaliate. And that has Pretty much give me way more game over screens than I would like. I'm playing this on (laughs) the hardest difficulty because I've played many uh, Atlas RPGs and I think I'm pretty good at them. But man, I'm thinking even this one might be a little rougher than previous titles. Uh, I've been mainly playing in handheld mode and the game runs fine. Uh, It's unfortunately locked at 30 frames, which is a shame and there is some slowdown here and there, but nothing too egregious, thank God. Uh it definitely feels bigger than Shimagami Tensei four, while those uh areas that you would travel were definitely much smaller in scale. And the first area in Shimagami Tensei five is like this this like desert that's uh, that has like destroyed buildings and then like giant cities that are just covered in, in sand. Um I'm. I am worried that I won't hit the same hour mark that I did with Shingami Tensei Four, but like I said, that's mainly due to the setup and the structure of this game. And I'm, like I said before, I'm sure that there's going to be a twist, but then I'm also worried that maybe that twist just won't grab me the same way that Shingami Tensei Four is twisted. Um, but I'm looking forward to at least getting there, and hopefully the twist surprises me surprises me enough, and then hopefully I'm looking forward to playing even some more hours into this game.
0: It is hard to make Lightning Strike twice with a good twist. But hopefully they found a way.
1: Yeah, uh, hopefully. And and these games are definitely much harder to get into than than the Persona games for sure. Uh, because, you know, in a Persona, you're playing a high schooler that, that has to deal with everything that a, a high schooler has to, aside from fighting, like, these little demons or whatever. While these games always tend to be more about... These games always tend always end up being a fight between, like, angels and devils. These have way more religious iconography than the Persona Mm -hmm. games will even ever get to. You know, like I said, this
0: is more for nihilists for sure. (laughs) It sounds like it's kind of like Persona's almost like the digestible version of this. The more, like, mainstreamified, which would explain why it's a bigger franchise in sales at this point, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, exactly. But uh, I don't know. I these and like I said, the Shimigami Tensei games are definitely more hardcore, and mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a, a better thing or a worse thing. they are definitely two different audiences. Uh, I just happen to be able to fit into both those audiences. Thank God, this gives me more right. more Japanese RPGs to to play.
0: Well, here, um, unless everything else, I got our first sales snack. If you want. Oh, no. Give it to me. I want to munch on something. It's so Shimigana Tensei five had the best launch month sales of any entry in the series in the United States. That's the snack. Uh to be clear, this is just within the Shimigama Tensei franchise and not including Persona. But nonetheless, sixteenth place in the NPD group's overall top twenty for November, highest is gone, and is the sixth best seller on the Switch only chart, one of only two third party games to get on the chart, the other being Just Dance Twenty Twenty Two uh two spots ahead of it. But okay. yeah. Just um answers, it, it launched pretty strong. Thing. Yeah, it's it's all based on physical sales too, so you know, it could be even better once you count digital and eShop and all that. But oh, yeah. still, still it it it's, you know, a mini version of the Switch bump, if you will. Or maybe a major version. I don't know how to compare it to the other games. I just know it did better. So there you go. There's your snack. Snack number one more. nom, nom 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 num, 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 num. <laughs> but, um, but yeah you did mention unless there's anything else I want to say about Shimagami.
1: Uh, no, I've set my piece. I will continue playing. I will try and update Uh, once I get further along.
0: Sounds good. I'm curious if the twist is up to your hopes and dreams and expectations. But uh I was going to say, you mentioned Pokemon.
2: Expectations.
0: And yes, yes, Angel. It's, it, it, the way you echoed <laughs> that back sounded like some sort of secret religious energy, some sort of weird congregational chant. But yes, uh you mentioned Pokemon, Kevin. Angel, you're playing, well, apparently you never stopped playing, but Pokemon Unite. Um, how's that been in the last few months? I haven't played it since Pokemon the
2: summer. Unite. Yes.
0: Um,
2: it's been interesting. I mean, I am obviously still enjoying it, but, like, I, I'm sure it's not even a, really a problem with the game in general. I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, it's definitely not a problem. It is more of a, a realization that, yeah, these kinds of games are not fun without a group of people you know. Oh, I thought your
0: sentence was just ending at not fun. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
3: no, this game just cause have,
0: suck.
2: <laughs> no, cuz I have a ton of fun when I'm playing this game, but it's only when I'm playing with like my brother or my other friend that are really into it. But otherwise, like yeah, like you kind of it, it definitely loses a lot when you're playing with just strangers. Makes um, like it yeah. worse. And unfortunately, you know, as times progress, it's just getting harder and harder to coordinate times to you know, play with the whole gang That yeah, it's kinda of unfortunate that while I am still playing it, I'm not playing it as much as I would like to. Like like the fact that um and maybe for better or worse, it's making the influx of just things have been getting feel a lot faster. Like it honestly feels like it was just like recently that we got um that we got decided. And then I don't know where it's like, oh here's Serena. Oh, Dragonite's coming. Oh, and then like right before Decidueye, we had um I forgot his name, big um Big Boy Squirrel. Um and <laughs> Big Boy and, Squirrel Yeah, and, and, yeah, and well I didn't really get to see him in action. I got to mess around with him a little in like the training mode just to play as the characters. But yeah, apparently he's broken. But apparently like every character is broken in this game. It's just about your team
0: composition. But Well, if every character's broken, then no character is broken, right? Theoretically, if they're all equally broken, are they even broken? Yeah, it just all the, all that
2: really means is just how often you're going to see certain characters, which, mm. you know, mm-hmm. can get kind of annoying when you want to see variety. But, it, you know, like every game at one point had a Wigglytuff, or every game at one point had um, Zorara, Zoro, Zorora, whatever his name is, Electric Cat.
0: Greedent, by the way, is Big Boy Squirrel.
2: Huh. Big Boy Squirrel. I'm gonna go with that.
0: Yeah, no, it's much better name.
2: Yeah, BBS. Uh nah, Big Boy Squirrel sounds better. No, you got you can't do but, an acronym.
0: Uh, no, it's just Big Boy Squirrel. You have to say all the all the syllables.
2: Yeah, and it definitely feels like they're well, a couple months ago, um whenever the Long Beach F one race or just November race was happening. Yes. um, Thank you, Human Calendar. That's actually why I said you, it. You're welcome. Um, So around September, they put out like a survey, a very, very in-depth survey that, I mean, if you answered it, you got some rewards. Like guaranteed, it wasn't like a enter for a chance to win, blah, blah, blah. But the kind of questions they asked definitely made it feel like they really cared and I usually, I mean, I don't know, maybe because I haven't played a lot of Pokemon phone games or a lot of other games in general that have provided or have given out this kind of survey. But there were, you know, there was the usual kinds of questions like, what would you like to see improved? But they also kind of like attacked themselves in a few areas. They're like, what about the UI don't you like? What about this interface? What about this character you don't like? What about this? Like, there were a lot of what don't you like questions.
0: Please and, tell me you, you rated know, the menus like one star, if that's even possible or or lower. Cause those menu. No, yeah. Menus and there some, were a lot of things that wood. like
2: that, that I commented on that. And, and you can see like literally over the past like two months, the main menu itself, is, like, even just the main menu itself has gotten like two facelifts. Oh. Like things are shuffled around a little more. Um, I would say it just looks more simplistic. Like mm-hmm. it's just not as intimidating. The. You still have to get your rewards from a separate menu, but that's just kind of all these types of mobile games, but it's at least more apparent and it doesn't feel, it feels more, I don't want to use the word fun because it's not necessarily fun, but it doesn't feel as as much of a chore anymore. It doesn't feel like I'm just tapping through menus. I mean, they at least like they upped the presentation. The thing they still haven't really fixed that much is just the, the performance of the main menu. That's still lagging a little, but you know, it's, Not the worst case scenario. But one thing that they have been doing a pretty good job that I I guess I've just grown to really like is just these costumes they've been giving these Pokemon at a really rapid pace. Except for Cramorant, one of my favorite Pokemon from the last generation who finally in the winter event, I mean, I don't know how long this game has been out, like earlier this year, um, like he finally got a costume. Like it's like a baker. But everyone else has gotten like 8 million costumes. Like, Slowbro alone has so many. He literally has like a bro costume. It just makes him look like a surfer dude. But he also has like hmm. a costume that makes him look like a college student that's about to like just chill at a party or something. So just, like, just a all the bros. A, like, cup in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> you get a nice variety. But yeah, they've been doing a good job of just like giving out a steady stream of costumes. They have plenty of side activities to give you plenty of free Pokemon. Like, even Serena, the newest plant Pokemon, like, that one was just straight-up free if you just signed in between last week and, I think, next week. It's
0: kind of like a tight window. and that, That's part of the holiday stuff they're doing, right? Like yeah. that is Dragonite. Yeah, and during the holiday stuff, like,
2: including Halloween, they have, like, you know, they redecorate the arenas, the music kind of changes. Like, you know, like, what a lot of other I mean, the only other ones I really have point of comparisons to is Brawl Stars and Hearthstone, but they're all in line with that. Like during Halloween, they all get they all get spookified. They have Halloween themed costumes. They have like daily things like in Pokemon Unite. Every day that you sign in, you would get pumpkins that you could use as currency to either get like accessories for your trainer, or you could build them up to get a full a full fledged like Halloween costume for one of your Pokemon or just one of the ones that they're offering, and they seem to be doing the same thing for the Christmas stuff.
0: And what is it? It it's not going to be pumpkins, is it? Like snow lights, like gingerbread cookies, like what? What's the currency? Do you know? Have they announced it?
2: Uh, I'm not sure yet. I think it's snowflakes. Oh, I'm
0: not sure. No, sure. oh, so it's my
2: favorite's not having a But regardless, um. I still see a lot of potential in it, especially as the roster continues to grow, and not to mention just the very inspired. I don't know, actually, maybe not inspired, but like just like the creative choices have been taken with these Pokemon. Like as we've mentioned, we have Big Boy girls Serena, and then just between those two, and the fact that we also have you know like Wigglytuff and Crustle, Like most of them, I bet you've even tell to the just the passive Pokemon fan may even be like who. Like, they're really grabbing Pokemon from, like, every corner. Like, not just the mainstays, which is great. Like, I like that they're showcasing all these Pokemon that I would otherwise never give a second thought to. Like, I would never have thought about Greedent. I could care less about that. Big boy squirrel. But he's there. And, you know, I guess it's Stockholm Syndrome. I, I forget what the pepper term for it is. But, you know, like, the more you see something in some cases... Generally, you tend to like it a little more, Maybe. just by association, it, kind of. Maybe I know a no, thing. No, that's with not people... it. That's
0: not it. But I know what you mean. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's it's neat, and I'm just it... hoping they just continue to grow. I keep. I know, like one thing we mentioned in the survey that still hasn't really been addressed yet is just the swinginess of the Zapdos in the middle. Like, yeah, it's great that you have a mechanic that can allow you to win, so you're always technically in the game. But sometimes it's a little too oppressive. Um, not to mention, you know, they just kind of need to switch it out. Like, you, it, it's always at those in the last two minutes. It's always... Like, there's a point in the game where in the beginning it feels kind of fluid and like, oh, you're adapting on the fly, things are going, blah, blah, blah. But then as soon as, like, the two-minute mark hits, it's almost like you're just going off your checklist of things you need to do, and it's always the exact same. Unless, like, one of your teammates screws up because... I guess you just need a team of five friends to play. But, you know, usually we can only manage with three. Which, you know, for my purposes, it's fun enough. But, you know, sometimes you have a teammate that goes AFK. Sometimes you have a teammate that is a little too aggressive and is just feeding them power points. And, you know, then you get steamrolled.
3: But... That,
0: that was going to be my question when you mentioned Zapdos and how it's still an issue. Do they change? So they dress up characters. They dress up stages. They dress up currencies do they actually change the gameplay at all, or is it still that one stage? Like, there's only so much you could do with aesthetics, you know?
2: I mean, no, yeah. I mean, that's why it's pretty much just that one stage. Um, I haven't really had an issue with, like, games feeling dull. Like, you know, it's kind of like Smash Brothers. Like, I could play on Final Destination against the same person for hours and hours and not really get bored. Because, you know, there's little there's little minutiae to each fight that makes them feel unique, which mm-hmm. you could kind of say about this as well but but unfortunately like there are certain aspects that do have to happen at a certain way you know especially it's mainly the beginning of the game and the end of the game like the beginning of the game there's a period of like maybe like 45 seconds where before you even interact with your opponent and depending on the pokemon you pick you pretty much have like a set path that you know you need to take and i know games like these will eventually change their arena like, after a good while, which, you know, it's going to obviously make it feel really fresh. The Pokemon that they keep adding, always change it up because you have to take that to, take that into account, given their range or what they're capable of or how quickly they can blow you up if you're not careful. So, it's still staying fresh. The only other thing that I had put in the survey that I'm kind of... Sh- I guess I'm not shocked. If I, I mean, like, again, I haven't really paid attention to a lot of the other Pokemon mobile games, but it's just like the lack of high intensity music. Like it feels like um listening to imitation Pokemon, even though this is an official Pokemon game. Like yeah. I would have loved to hear some of the battle themes. I mean, they have so much good music like from every generation, like even the sword and shield that I felt had really great music. And speaking of that, why hasn't Pokemon released the soundtrack to and shield on iTunes? They've been doing that for every single Pokemon game up until that point. And I've been buying every single one of them because I'm more than happy to give them my money for official soundtracks, but they just stopped that. Let's go Pikachu and let's go Eevee arbitrarily.
0: And never Which, like, addressed I don't know, it or anything? Like, they just stopped releasing them? They just
2: kind of did. They just stopped. There was like no warning or anything. At, at one point they were even tweeting it like, Oh, we here is diamond and pearl. Here's Omega Ruby and alpha Sapphire. I don't know if it has anything to do with Nintendo because Nintendo is historically pretty stingy with their music. Which, like, why the heck haven't they put any of their other music on streaming services? I mean, they teased us—I don't know how many years ago—with Jump Up Superstar and a sampling of the Mario
0: Odyssey soundtrack. But then, yeah, well, that—that that was just an MP3 that they put. Uh, like, they just literally hosted a download link to a minute and a half MP3. Like, maybe they just don't know how to use streaming services. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it was on iTunes. They did sell it. I take that back. They did sell it.
2: No, yeah, that's right. But, like, so we know they're capable of it, but they just refuse to. And it sucks because, like, I mean, I have most of the music ripped because I just don't have any other choice because I love listening to that soundtrack. I mean, when I did my Spotify recap or whatever it's called, like, yeah, my most listened to genre was video game music. And I think my top five artists of, the five, I think four, were video game related. Surprisingly, I listened to a ton of Final Fantasy 7 to make it my second most listened to artist of the year. Huh. And I haven't even played those games, which just kind of goes to show you just how good the music is on some games. But you know, and then but Nintendo, they're still releasing audio CDs. They still produce them. I mean, they released the entire Breath of the Wild
0: soundtrack. You could buy that on Amazon. Is it In Japan, to, to clarify, in Japan, the U.S. branch oh, yeah, is ja- lame and does not yeah.
2: Yeah, we're lucky if we get them as Club Nintendo Rewards, which we have. I mean, we got, like, the Smash Brothers one for a pre-order. We got the Korean of Time mm-hmm. and the Majora's Mask, but... And that was years ago. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's when yeah. I was still Club Nintendo, opposed to now like, Mind Nintendo. Yeah, well, yeah, when we went to Japan last um, awesome trip, everyone, it was, yeah. Sorry, Jason. Um, was, yeah,
0: yeah, I wasn't on that trip, so... Maybe that's what was awesome. But,
2: um, yeah, like, there was a point where the group and I, we went to a Tower Records, and it was just so great seeing, like, oh, my God, look, Splatoon, you could just buy it. Like, you know, just a bunch of Nintendo soundtracks.
0: I ended up getting an Ace Attorney one, but.
3: That's the one that's
0: so strange to me is Splatoon, because they put such an emphasis on the in-game music. They have bands in the game. They do concerts. They stream the concerts here on their YouTube here sometimes, and yet there's no way to, like, listen to it outside the game.
2: Yeah, without, like, you know, and there's plenty of people that do, like, there's plenty of people that rip the, I mean, yeah, like, the, the best of, like, legitimately, yeah, the best legit way um, to listen to their music, I guess, in their eyes, is to literally just boot up Smash Brothers and use your Switch as an MP3 player, because they kind of built that
0: functionality in it. Mm-hmm. So, But you have to walk around I with a six-point-whatever-inch screen sticking out of your back pocket. Yeah, the Joy-Con well, that's what Nintendo dangling.
2: wants us to do, I guess. I mean, I guess of course they do, but it's not like we're even incentivized yeah. to take it with us everywhere because it's not like a street pass or something. I mean,
0: and even then it was more compact. You, I mean, pass. you thought you
2: played it a lot in handheld mode, but apparently it's like a third of your time spent in playing. Your this is
0: this is true. The Switch Year in Review thingy came out, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to see my stats, and then it's like you spent 143 hours in docked mode and 41 hours in handheld. I'm like, wait, but I've been saying on the podcast I played in handheld almost equally with docked and apparently I'm a liar. So, but yes, that, thanks for pointing out I'm a liar, Angel. Yeah. Yeah, being liar, liar, pants on fire. I know. I know. But, but yeah, but even then, like, like even with the 3DS, it's still kind of cumbersome to have to play music that way cause you had to like, I mean, I understand they wanted you to do street passes and stuff, but like you couldn't play it in your car. You couldn't, like, it's hard, you know, unless you have an aux cable, but there's no Bluetooth. Like, there's a lot of pitfalls. I mean, I don't listen to that much game music, but there are people like you that listen to it. I mean, Kevin, do you, do you listen to much game music? Like, just outside of games?
1: No, I listen to way more uh, anime music, like, anime openings.
0: And are they better with anime openings about getting those on streaming? Or is it just, like, non-music, like, non, like... Music,
3: well, specific, music in terms well of specifically anime opening.
1: It. Anime openings, yes, because anime openings will usually be actual songs that are released to on the radio. Oh, interesting. So, it, yeah, okay. it's it's they're not necessarily always created for the show. They will usually be like a single from a top artist over there that they will then just make it to an anime opening. Angel, had you listened to
2: the new uh, Demon Slayer opening? Cause it's a slapper. No, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it's a tweet. Hard. I was like, oh man, because that was the one thing I was nervous about. I was like, damn, like freaking. Hey, it's not um, gonna be the first. The first season's opening, but
1: but it's really good. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's a
2: good song. I mean, it's just like when you hear like 99, and you're like, oh man, it's such a good song. i they going to do for season two, but then they put on 90 99. Nine. comes. Oh. And then it's oh, like, man. oh man, they, I, they can, I can, I can. And now I we have a Season 3 hour. coming out. So
1: oh, what is that going well, to be? Yeah, what, 99.99 maybe? <laughs> I guess. So. You know, they're just or full 100? It. I don't know. I could go on about into, anime
0: openings. They're getting into Square Enix level of titles here. They do that. <laughs> point, I mean, I guess it's still, like, consistent and not, like, whatever Nier's version 1.3925, whatever. Because technically
1: 99.9 is 99.90, right? So. Yeah.
0: That's true. That's true. Um but you know what I do find most boggling about like most like mind boggling about the soundtrack thing with games, at least with Nintendo, is like even what if Nintendo's like being lazy about it. There's so they're just there's the sheer amount of money they're leaving on the table. Like yeah. it doesn't cost much to do this and it's just free money. They're not hosting the servers. I mean, can someone like, tell <laughs> us, like, are we
2: being ignorant? Like, is there like is it actually for some reason, really hard to
0: get all these things like just uploaded. No, so it's we can not. It's not. Give them I mean, money. we know how hard it is to get I mean, something onto a streaming service. We put the podcast on all of them and it's not hard at all.
2: I mean, maybe, maybe I mean, it's it the exact same but... thing though. I mean, I'm sure there's some it's slightly different, I mean?
0: but there's, there's companies. I mean, that
2: I'm not, a... well, Yeah, I'm not expecting them to put up the smash for the soundtrack because I mean, music rights they have
1: they always been historically
0: some of the toughest rights to acquire. This is, yeah, this is true. So I can understand Smash being an issue. But Maybe thinking, Koji like, Kondo though, just really
2: doesn't want his music on streaming I, services, I guess. I honestly so.
0: like Pokemon, though. Like, they've done it already, so we know they can do it. They own the rights to it. Pokemon Company, like, that's why Pokemon Company, if you look at the spine of a game box, that's a Pokemon game. Pokemon Company's logo is right there with Nintendo's. Like, they have the IP under their control, and Nintendo just kind of, like, has a weird deal with them. Yeah, it's but... not even... It's weird. And like, yeah. I don't know, to, to, like to serve up another Jason Snails, uh, Snails, <laughs> <a> Jason <laughs> Sales snack real quick, to serve up some Scargo for you guys. Um, like Pokemon Unite has 50 million players apparently now between the Switch and the mobile versions and Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl have sold six million copies in a week. That is double what Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee sold in their launch week, and those have music available. It is double what Omega, Ruby, and Alpha Sapphire sold in their opening week, and it has that music available. So like clearly...
2: iTunes right now, just in case... Yeah, just in case those aren't anymore. You added, but you said they the were. December gift.
0: But yeah, it's just clear huh. like there's, in, there's more interest in Pokemon now, based on those numbers, the 50 million, the 6 million, whatever, than during the period where they were releasing the soundtrack. So it makes even less sense now from the back off. Like, I don't get it. It's, it, it's, it's bizarre. Are they on there though, Angel?
3: Mm. Cause the last uh, thing we want to do is
0: peddle fake news. So if they're not there, we should inform our, our lovely listeners. I mean, if
2: they are there. I'm going to be excited. I mean, they weren't there the last time I checked, but that was like.
0: No, I mean, I mean, um, the
2: old soundtracks. They're still there, right? Oh man. I hope they're still there. Let's see. I'm looking. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just get back to you.
0: They're there. And it's under Game Freak, interestingly. So that, that's a new wrinkle. Game Freak's the one that's, uh, listed as the, as the artist. Not Pokemon Company not Nintendo. So maybe there's something there. But, I dunno. It is bizarre, you're right.
2: Yeah, still ends at Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee.
0: And again, those are based on one week of sales. Half as popular as the new ones. Half as popular as Sword and Shield and yet... Nothing. I mean, we
2: all know they love money, so uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's as good as mine is too Like, I, I, I'm i just trying to imagine, like, the shareholder be like, have they just not come up? Like, have they been that... You know what's funny? With, no, like, it has.
0: Moves? It has. I forgot about that. A while ago, a year or two ago, in the shareholder Q&A that they do, someone asked Nintendo, like, so when are you putting music on streaming? And Nintendo was just kind of like, oh, you know, and they didn't really answer. And they're like, we're looking. You know, it's an option. But, like, their whole thing about being an IP-first company and IP expansion and, you know bringing more people into the fold, like this seems like such an easy move. It's it's strange. It's very strange. Maybe twenty twenty two will be I mean, the year that they all get uploaded. Every game ever made. Yeah. But in the meantime, was there anything you else you want to mention Anatopia? with uh Pokemon Unite?
2: Um, no. That's pretty much it.
0: Okay, so in that case we've talked about what we've played. Uh, I guess we've talked about the games we wanted to listen to and can't. So all that's left are the games we watched, and that's where the game awards come in. Um, so on Thursday, December 9th, uh, for approximately three and a half hours, we got games, lots of games, uh ads for games, CG trailers for games, some occasional gameplay of games, and yet not a single Nintendo game. But uh, as a show overall, how do you guys feel about this year's Game Awards?
2: I mean, they have Smash Brothers, so it was True. really hard to get me to watch it.
0: But I mean, I mean they you had the were, Sonic were in the group so. chat with us, you were kind of kind of tuned in it seemed
2: yeah i was kind of there just kind of like just kind of watching the the reveals but um i mean i uh, i <laughs> what, was it fine what a good summary <laughs> eh,
0: like literally just like a larry david gif eh. <laughs> <laughs> was um fine. kevin you you were more like actually tuned in right
1: Oh, you you cut out there. What was that for me?
0: Oh, I, I was just saying you're more tuned into the show than Angel, I think. Right? Yeah, I was, actually... I was. Yeah, so I was actually. Think I, of it? I was
1: watching it as it was going. How? Uh, it's not great <laughs> to to put it mildly. <laughs> um, this might be the final year that I actually look at this thing live. Really? Unless there's some huge changes. Yeah, it just didn't. It's this weird thing where, like, the announcements, I feel like, just weren't there, Mm. Um, especially after all the the hyping up that I feel like Jeff made beforehand where he said, hey, there's going to be some reveals or some trailers that are going to be on the scale of that that Elden Ring reveal during Summer Games Fest. And the only one that actually felt that way was probably Alan Wake 2 and maybe Ark Raiders.
0: Um, I am so confused by our creators like the game looks one way and then all the logo and like design is like a completely different game it looks yeah. cool but it, i don't understand how those connect yeah me but me no I, I do i i mean i i could see i don't have to, I, he said how many did he say would be like Ring? like four or five he, he said that there was gonna be like four or five I could see like Hellblade as a next gen showcase, quote unquote. Maybe Star's Eclipse as like, look at this big IP we got. Maybe Wonder Woman, maybe. But yeah, I do get what you mean. Like maybe it's weird because like even Suicide Squad, on some level, like Rocksteady's a huge developer. So in a way, okay, I way
1: I I, I will maybe give give it to Star Wars Eclipse. But like everything else, we had pretty much already seen, and not saying that we hadn't seen. Elden Ring, but like what about Wonder Woman?
2: Like, but do you Elden Ring. Was so amazed that that didn't get leaked. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. strange. When he's like, yeah. no so, one had the same. I mean, I'm on so glad that card. didn't get leaked. I mean, that was like a.
0: Well, you know why was he was glad it didn't nothing. get leaked? Because the trailer was six seconds long. It's just like, look, it's Wonder Woman, and then it ended. Yeah, exactly.
1: So. <laughs> and that's why. So it leaked. Not necessarily enough to get me like, yo, this is on the same level of Elden Ring, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it, aside as from the as reveals. Yeah. Aside from the reveals, it's like the award. Ugh, I must have missed every single time that they gave an award. They like the only two or three times that they did it, it was like it was when uh, Simi Liu was on stage, when Reggie was on there, and the Game of the Year award. I don't even remember seeing any anybody else. So like, yeah. It uh, and they then don't they even pay attention
0: th- to the awards anymore. Yeah, and they did that weird thing where they 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 have before batched the awards together. You know, like like Jeff comes up and is like, all right, we're going to get some awards out. Here's the winner of this. Here's the winner of that. But they did this thing this year that I don't understand where they didn't even say the names of the nominees. He's just like, here are the nominees. And then like a little screen popped up, you know, like an overlay on the screen. He's like, okay, and the winner is – like they they were so – granted, it was three and a half hours, so they were pressed for time. But they were so pressed for time that they couldn't even say the names of the nominees at the game awards. It just yeah. seemed – I don't know. That was a little weird.
1: Yeah, so it's like, it's a mix of, of those two things. And like, you know, stuff like, uh, like reveals, you know, I could always look at the Kotaku article afterwards or whatever. Right. right. Uh, same thing with the awards, but like, if, if they're not going to pay attention to the awards, then, I mean, what's even the point at that, you know?
0: Yeah, and like, it, it, I, I do understand from a marketing perspective why I do it that way, but one thing I actually thought was really the kind of oddly charming about the virtual game awards last year was because it was virtual McCusting for a little scaled down, they did a lot more awards than I think they do they did even before. And seeing all these people you don't know, like was cool. Like this year I felt like they focused on awards where there are people who are recognizable. You know, they have like uh Joseph Farris or whatever his name is for It Takes Two and he's the personality in game awards universe now you know, because the FD Oscars thing, and they had, like, the Forza Horizon 5 guy who's presented the game at big events before. But, like, I thought it was interesting when they had the person that won um, Best Performance, the, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, she plays Lady D, I guess, in um, Resident Evil 8. Um Like, I've never seen that person. She seemed incredibly grateful, and there was, like, kind of a touching moment. She's like, talking about how it's changed her life, and it's just, like, more of that. Like, it's cool to see the spotlight on these developers or on these people who are involved with these games that you never see or hear otherwise like don't just put the speeches to the people who you recognize or who you know from the industry like let the others have a moment and last year they did that well just out of necessity because everything was virtual this year that felt like it was missing yeah so it's yeah yeah, i I think the award part got a little overshadowed more so than usual because i i get the balancing act i get that but this year it felt a little overshadowed too much yeah um
1: Um, it's it's and then not only that, like three and a half hours, Jeff. Really, yeah, that
0: was that was long. I find I mean, it there's incredible.
1: always there's always like articles that that mm-hmm. are like how how many minutes of the Super Bowl were actually played versus like how much uh, how much were like ads.
0: I want to see that breakdown for the Game Awards. So uh, someone uh, that Angel and I know on Twitter. Uh, kinda did that. He stopped about three quarters, four fifths of the way through, but he was counting the awards as it came through, and it was averaging an award every twenty minutes. Yeah, no, that's yeah. not for the game <laughs> awards. No, yeah. that's yeah. I don't think I, that's
1: acceptable. I'm sorry, Jeff. I like you, man, but no.
0: I I do um, I do find it kind of amusing to the point of the runtime. Did you notice that like a week before the awards, they suddenly bumped up the start time by like an hour? Nope. It was normally it starts at 5:30 and the main shows at six. That's how they were promoting it, and then out of the blue, Pacific time, and then out of the blue, they're like, "Oh, 4:30, uh, five o'clock start time." And I was like, "Why?" And then I realized the Kanye and Drake concert, you know, five minutes away from the from the theater, is why they bumped it up. I think because they're both on Twitch. I really, and like Simu Lu, after he presented at the game awards, he was sitting a section over for me at the concert, I later learned. So like they were like trying to like not have it overlap. So they literally moved a giant international video game industry award show up to make room for Drake and Kanye, which is bizarre to think about, but kinda, you know, shows how weird the show is. Uh, It's moving around a concert. Uh, I mean, there's no confirmed reason that that's why, but it ended right when the concert was supposed to begin, opposed to overlapping it, and that seems, you know, not coincidental. But maybe I'm wrong, especially since Twitch was a big mm-hmm. sponsor of both. But
2: um, I'm bummed. I I really wish I was way more into the Game Awards, but I think the fact that Half of Its Identity is a like an advertisement. I guess a pre- yeah a press yeah. event. Um, I feel cheapens it. Like honestly, like even the fact that like Smash Brothers is there, I feel cheapens it. Because there are other for for more my point, like I Yeah, like I just went in there just to watch Smash Brothers. I, I feel like it may not be as exciting, but I think like I I think it would garner way more respect, or at least like for me, if it just did the awards. I think it just needs to do the awards. I don't I mean I don't know I don't watch the Oscars, I don't watch the grammys or the other stuff so i don't know how much of that is also just the words or how much they like phone <laughs> in a bunch of like upcoming stuff as well but i mean i think some performances are fine i think that's i know the grammys
3: kind of place do.
0: oh the grammys yeah the really? grammys the musical acts so like are like half stuff? new songs
3: and half no
1: I, I meant more like focusing on like the the upcoming stuff yeah yeah like, yeah. like, like half like, oh, of the grammys coming like, up
0: I mean they spend a lot more time on awards but like half the Grammy performances if not more these days tend to be like oh it's the, the live debut of this song or it's the first time in the world you hear this brand new song from Taylor Swift or like I mean even like that sure, year Sure but but yeah, yeah. but, but when, when those are
1: marketed the... when like it's usually plus performances by yes. not no that's true. Hey here are, true. here is like new stuff and that's it, going it's... to come out
0: in the near future. It's tricky because – and Jeff has covered this before. I like how we're on a first-name basis with him now. But uh, Jeff has covered this before a little in that – and he's not wrong. There are industry events that are entirely awards. There's DICE in February. There's the Game Developers Conferences, uh, AIAS, Academy of Interactive Arts and Science Awards. And those were like pretty big like pedigree awards at one point. I remember Ocarina of Time um, back in the N64 days – it won AIAS game of the year and Nintendo slapped a logo of that on the box uh, the following year and just like it was part of the the box art for a while so those, those have some pull but I think the, the, what Jeff has run into or talked about running into is how do you get the scale of an audience to be able to see these people and understand what they've accomplished unless you bring along some announcements the problem is I think it got totally, like we were saying before you and me Kevin, like it got totally overshadowed the awards by everything else like it used to be a little more of a yeah. like 40 60 I mean, now that, like, it's like 20 the awards, 80. yeah
2: yeah like the game awards starts and it's like we've already announced like 30 awards like off screen or whatever a lot yeah. to be
0: fair grammys do that oscars do that that's a common practice and that one i do not understand yeah,
2: but, at all but we but, but, but we <laughs> yeah. could be better
0: it would be i, I mean
2: the, and i mean like gaming is i mean is already just fundamentally very different from like you know, music and movies, because it kind of encompasses a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's definitely a challenge there to, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, just make it all work. Cause I mean, which, which makes like the trailers that much, like I said, in my, in my opinion, more hurtful for right. these events. Cause you know, they, sometimes they literally do nothing. Like, I mean, as good as a wonder woman game
0: can potentially be like that trailer so did nothing, does nothing. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah. Like, I feel like the trailers put the Game Awards in a tough spot too, because like, never mind, you know the ratio of award to <laughs> yeah, because
2: people judge it based on that. Like, that's going to be part of like, like oh man, yeah, the yeah. reveals weren't weren't that great, but but remember who like who won?
0: Like, I don't know, it, it's weird. No, yeah, I that, I agree, because like the problem is the the reveals dictate the caliber of the show in a way, because they're they're like. Obviously, there's not a way to please everyone. Like some people are gonna freak out about the Wonder Woman game and think it's awesome, even if it's six seconds of footage. Others are gonna be like us, and be like whatever. And there's never a way to guarantee, you know, year over year that the scale of the announcements will be the same. You know, like the year they revealed the Xbox Series X, you can't easily, on a scale of a console, you can't easily top that. Or like for us or for me, maybe you know, the lack of Nintendo this year was a bummer because there's the expectation they'll be there. Um, like there, you know, there could be like a dozen cool things not coming to Switch, but if I'm tuning in because I want my Nintendo announcement, and it's not delivered or Angel used to turn, tune in for Smash and that's not there anymore. Then the show isn't as exciting or interesting to us personally. And that, to your point, takes away from the fact that you're supposed to be recognizing all these accomplishments, but instead we're just like, why is there no announcement from Nintendo? Where's the Xbox size announcement? Like it, yeah, it, it's, it's tricky. And I think. You know, it was even weird that we got a Nintendo commercial.
2: It was like three Nintendo of them. Commercial.
0: Three of them, <laughs> but um, but yeah. More broadly, I think like I think what typically makes the Game Awards work for me is when they're able to exceed expectations, and I kind of mean that across the board, like announcements on one level, but also just like how they present games, when they're able to showcase things in different ways. You know, uh, like when I thought. And it doesn't get any love. But I thought the stuff they do with the um like future class and the and the thing they do with like a couple of years ago they did with like um I can't remember what I think it might have been part of the future class, but they're highlighting like able gamers and stuff like that. And like that's a huge platform for those folks, for that opportunity to be able to express, you know, your cause and talk about it and do that sort of thing. They didn't even do anything of that caliber this year. Like everything because it was like kind of either what we've seen before or less made the whole show announcements awards everything just feel kind of like down a notch if that makes sense and like you know the the, the idea that the show should always kind of exceed expectations in some way like that could be in the form of the games that were shown you know who they had present like I still I, I say it every time but that Reggie Jack Trenton Phil Spencer all co-presenting moment that's still one of my favorite things because it was like the industry coming together in a way that it didn't before and hasn't since but you know, it could be who who performed at the show. Like the Koji Kondo Imagine Dragons performance from the first year stands out as something really unique. Or even this go round to be fair. Like I don't think a year ago anyone could have predicted that Sting was gonna open the game awards and he had a cool set design around him too. So like like there's still moments that are kinda cool, but my point is like all those different elements along with what the games are themselves and giving the awards a chance to shine, that's what makes the show more or less a success in my line in my mind. And To the point about lack of megatons um, that you know we were talking about before, Kevin. Like it, yeah. Like Keeley's job ultimately is to be the hype man of this thing, right? So he's going to come out and tell us that hey, there's these five or six or ten or thirty amazing games you got to see. And his thinking is if he gets those games and they're in the show, then you'll respect everything else happening and you'll be into the awards and you'll give those developers their moment and everything. But when there aren't the awards to show, it kinda of starts falling apart. And then when it's all yeah. surface level hype, it all starts falling apart. Like, you know, he's right. The like we were saying, the next game from I don't know, the acclaimed developers of Batman Arkham series, like Rockstay, like that's worth attention. That is in and of itself, yeah, that's a big deal. They their game's been a long time coming, people are excited. But then you find out, you know, it's um Suicide Squad, which we've seen a couple trailers of already the world premiere of gameplay isn't quite as exciting as when Jeff was like, oh, we got the, these huge developers. You can't wait to see what they're up to. It's like, well, we kind of know what they're up to. Or like the Matrix experience thing, that Unreal Five, uh, Unreal Engine 5 demo. The technology behind it is kind of exciting for what's next for the industry. There's no denying that. But like, I mean, really, that demo, its they back before the PS5 came out, they had a similar demo where they're walking through like a desert or something. Like it was the same amount of environmental detail, just a different type of environment. It wasn't significantly longer or shorter than the Matrix one, like, they're basically kind of two peas in a pod, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and having that be, like, the big finale and then doing the thing they did two years ago where it's like, oh, we're ending with actually a movie tie-in. Like, two years ago it was Fast and Furious and they had the actors on stage. This year it was Matrix and they were just in a pre-recorded video. Like, again, it's kind of like once the expectation's set, once they've done something, people are going to make the comparison. So even if your job is hype man or you're doing all these things to get the awards, like, to get their due... It's hard when they, they don't, don't line up yeah. to what they were in the past. That's kind of thing. You know, even actually, here's a good one, because I know you groaned about it. When they had, uh, the show be quote unquote hacked by Amanda Wallace to debut uh, Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. That was straight up Joker that from Smash from a couple like. years back. Just cringier. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Imagine yeah. Dragons. Like, it was cool that they gave Supergiant Games their due and they got through that collaboration but like i was just talking about imagine dragons already mixed one of their latest singles with a video game song a few years ago they couldn't even get a different band to do it like it just it felt very familiar and i think that hurts the overall like hype because you know it, it, this is something to be fair all award shows uh suffer from i'm sure like it's hard to be constantly creative when your hands are tied by the output of the industry you're honoring but i Think what? I will say this: the stage yeah. looked nice. Oh yeah, yeah no, and that, honestly, the set designs Something the one thing like, I think they always nail, and always they like they always do little tweaks that like elevate in some way. Yeah. Like this year, the the floor was a screen. I don't know if you guys noticed that. It was only the, in a few the shots. look it's yeah. always great. Yeah, they have very really good set designers, and also the orchestra and doing the medley every year of songs and kind of tying in with some of the games. Like that's always cool, but. um but yeah, I think just the same sameness this year. Even if you ignore the awards and just talk about the announcements. Like, there's less unique stuff to break it all up. I mean, like, there's kind of moments like the pot friend from Elden Ring, which was kind of in the vein of, like, past Muppet tie-ins, I guess. But, like, I don't know. It's not really anyone's fault in particular. There's just a general familiarity that seemed to make this year just less exciting. Like, even among the games that were revealed, how many squad-based kind of borderline horror experiences were there how many graphically looked pretty similar to one another it's not that you know I, I, don't, I don't think these games are worth being excited for they are if you're into those games but they kind of homogenized over three and a half hours like and, and and jeff does his best to curate i'm not saying it's his fault per se you know he threw in stuff like thirsty suitors in the pre-show which looked kind of interesting kind of like a scott pilgrim idea flipped on its head uh somberland in the main show i think that's the kind of 2d spaced one that were kind of cool and stood out just against the everything else but again like if the industry trends are that locked into a single trope or a single idea like all these trailers are gonna kind of be the same even on a small scale the fact that they gave Telltale Games two reveals and both reveals were for a sci-fi story driven game where you mainly sit on a ship whether it's star trek or the expanse like in the same show two of the same genre doing the same I, I thing i did not, I like, did not realize that
1: yeah it's like yeah they're both they're both sci-fi space games
0: yeah it's like what are you like that's and so again funny. someone's fault that's just what the output of the NBA and one of them is. had
1: already been revealed earlier today the day of yeah two. that too
0: and it's it, i think i think we go in hoping for a really cool award show where there's some fun reveals that are different and unique but i think we and anyone else that was kinda of bummed by the show, I, it's like E three really. You know, there are good years and there are meh years. they it's based on the console cycle, the the whatever trends are in the industry, like that year every game company had to do a battle royale. Like, you know, it it's the game awards, because they're at the scale they are now, are gonna fall into those same traps, unfortunately. There was
1: sucks. there was one really, really cool year. Oh man, I don't remember what it was, where they I don't remember if it was the last Spike Game Awards or if it was the first The Game Awards where they had, like, this AR mixed in with it. Do you remember that?
0: Vaguely,
3: yes. It might have been the last Spike one,
0: possibly.
1: Yeah. That was really cool because they did focus on the awards. Yeah, they had some reveals, but then even the awards part was really, really cool where they they were mixing in, like, uh, alternate re- reality graphics onto the stage mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That was really cool. And, and there's like, stuff that just, been, that'd be
0: cool too. Right? And there's stuff that just been saying that he wants to do that kind of like goes in that direction. Like he was talking about like, one thing I thought was kind of interesting he said was that, um, the Matrix demo thing, like the Matrix experience, which is all of a well, 11 minute demo once you download it. But, uh, he was saying, you know, in the future, how cool would it be if more of the stuff you see on stage is something you can experience yourself that same night, or what if there are things that are more directly tied in? Like one thing they did that got no attention. Yeah, but
1: that's not any different. That's not any different to when, like, at E three, people are like, and and it's out today. Like, there's nothing really different about that's that.
0: That's true. But but there was, um but I think kind of in that direction. One thing they did that was sort of interesting and got no attention, and you know, frankly, they didn't deserve attention. I forgot what platform it was, but they had a virtual viewing party of the Game Awards, where it's kind of in like a, I hate to say the word, but a. Metaverse, um, but it was in some game, and you could all like hang out with your friends in it and use the chat and stuff. But you can like, they had like emotes and stuff to tie it in, and like it was kind of like you're watching the game world in a game. Which take it or leave it, that is different. That's definitely different. <laughs> so, so if they start experimenting more with yeah, that or true. augmented reality or doing virtual reality stuff like that, at least will kind of keep it fresh, or perhaps maybe not a good way, but it'd be cool to see them experiment, um. I do have to imagine though, in, in like not to, in the game awards, but in the industry's defense, like come, I think compounding this whole issue was the chip shortages, right? Cause like, one of the things Jeff was saying to hype up the shows is is we're going to get the first look at what true next gen gaming is. And there was the Matrix demo, there was Hellblade, but to serve up a, a third brief, uh, Jason's, uh, sales snack here. The problem is the install base one year in for these systems isn't where it should be. So developers are kind of, their hands are tied. They can't really put out these more next-gen experiences just yet. So like even in terms of looking to the future, we're not at the point where as many games can push the boundaries as perhaps we have been in other generations. So for point of reference, here comes the sales snack. MPD numbers for November, normally one of the busiest months of the year, uh, show that total game industry sales were down 10% year over year due to a 38% decline in hardware. For comparison, a year into the previous generation, so the PS4 and Xbox One era, the two of them, plus the Wii U, had a higher total sales number than the 2021 triple header of PS5, the Xbox Series consoles, and the Switch. So to reiterate that, PS4 and Xbox One, essentially on their own, because, you know, Wii U, uh, sold more in 2014's November than what the PS5, the pair of Xbox Series systems, and the still top-selling Switch were all able to move combined this November. So there's clearly some shortages happening. There's clearly lack of install base. And, and the Switch, mind you, still sold 1.13 million by itself in November. But again, to my point about the chip, uh, chip shortages, um, that's down. So it has the OLED model as a factor. That should boost sales higher. But due to the lack of supply, that's a quarter of a million fewer Switches sold this November than what happened a year ago with only two models versus three. And the PS5 and the two Xboxes combined in November this year sold less than what the Switch uh, sold in total. Combined. PS5 and Xbox Series S and X all couldn't match the Switch. So... You know, it's totally a supply issue. Like, demand's there across the board. It's whoever can get those systems onto shelves that wins. Like, it's, you know, it's why over in the UK and Europe, the Switch actually just had its best sales week ever because they were able to get supply there when they needed it. But my point about the Game Awards is um, where it's become especially problematic is if you're going to hype up next-gen, the next-gen systems... um, publishers aren't going to switch over to truly next-gen experiences if the user bases are lagging. They want to do more cross-gen. They want to do things that will sell in the short term until they get to that audience. So when the Game Awards tries to do the new thing, the thing to differentiate, and they decide, oh, it's a look at next-gen, which was one of Jeff's talking points, I, I don't know. It, it just felt like it wasn't really there. You had a tech demo for The Matrix. You had some stuff that was either like, it looks kind of like what we're used to now. Or it's like this non-tangible, distant-feeling, very small peak at what may happen in the year 20XX if you stay tuned. And I think that also probably hurt the show this year because it couldn't even lean on that hook, which is normally what E3 leans on going into a new console generation and things like that. So it, it was just like hit from all sides, I feel like. Which isn't, again, really anyone's fault. It's just kind of circumstance. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but that's just—it just seems like the chip shortages weren't doing them any favors either.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, every 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 industry is feeling the chip shortage right now. Yeah,
0: sure. yeah, and I think it kind of like the fact that everything was so like not rote, but kind of rote, maybe also explains why Nintendo wasn't there. Like, not to tow their company line or anything, but they always talk about wanting to, you know, surprise and delight, right? Like, put smiles on people's faces, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And if you look at their track record with the Game Awards, they are always going for the curveballs, you know, the things that will psych out and then I guess psych up the core game crowd. So you see it, you know, every Smash reveal they did at the Game Awards was always characters that are as un-Nintendo as they come. Or when they make an announcement at some old franchise that people didn't expect, you know, Marvel Ultimate Alliance or Bravely Default or Bayonetta or Metroid Prime 10 years after Metroid Prime 3, you know, even... In the first game awards, like the idea that Nintendo would do a t- like 10 minute deep dive into the new Zelda's gameplay at an event like a award show, like that was unexpected. So they, they pulled the trigger. Um, but I think what happened here is they're just, they don't have surprises right now. I mean, you, you could see they still like handled the show how they typically do. They still support it with an eShop sale. They still sent Doug Bowser, you know, anyways president. They still ran their commercials like we were talking about. Uh, you know, to highlight all the games they do available. But they also had that ad for their 2022 lineup, which I don't know if you saw Angel. Kevin, you might see it because you're paying a little more attention. But the ad amounted to like, hey, we already announced our stuff for next year. This is what it is. And like, they're not wrong. We know an awful lot about the lineup for the Switch in 2022 compared to past years. Like, I can't think of a past year that Nintendo's given us as much insight this far in advance into exactly what we're getting in the next year. I mean, we know we have Pokemon Legends Arceus coming, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Splatoon 3, Bayonetta 2, Triangle Strategy, Mario and Rabbids 2, Breath of the Wild 2, assuming it doesn't get delayed. Those are all confirmed just for 2022, which averages to a game roughly every eight weeks for the entire year, should they want to do that. So, I guess they could have, like, pulled the rumored Xenoblade through out of their hat, or through Xenoblade 3 out of their hat, but that... I don't know. Is that gonna get a good reaction at the Game Awards? They could get the same reaction if they open or close a Nintendo Direct with that game. Like, and we're certainly not to see 2023 or 2024 games. Nintendo plays further out titles much closer to their chest after the Metroid Bayonetta things that went wrong. So like, again, it's not the Game Awards fault, but like, even when, you know, you can't even get Nintendo to have a surprise because they don't have any surprises, you're kinda, kinda stuck. Like, it's, they, it, there's no way Nintendo has shown anything that would have been of the caliber of their past years I think they wouldn't want to disappoint folks but if they take exactly what they could show for 2022 and stick it in a direct where expectations are already a different ball game they have nothing to worry about they're gonna get more positive possibly equally big reaction if they just do it on their own versus the Game Awards so that was just another sort of death by a thousand cuts to this year's show I think it's just you know Nintendo had no reason to be there so they just weren't um yeah I think I'm done ranting now (laughs) That's that's my many thoughts on the Game Wars.
1: Your many uh, thoughts and your many snacks around. on the yes, Game Wars. Yes,
0: um, yes, yes. Yeah, but you gave us a whole buffet there. I know, I know. And, and but to be fair, I, you know, Nintendo wasn't there. There was Nintendo news, kind of. I mean, I guess Nintendo was there because they co-opted the Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak trailer to confirm those three Amiibo. But like, where Nintendo wasn't, third parties did step up a little. We learned there's a cloud version of a Plague Tale Requiem coming to Switch. Uh the Lord of the Rings Golem game got a teaser, and that's switchbound. Um Cuphead's DLC, Delicious Lost Course is now coming June 30th. Um I personally enjoyed the old timey song to announce the news for that one. I don't know about you guys. Um Actually Angel, I have to imagine you're probably getting the DLC, huh? Or is that more of an Elvis game? An time, Angel
2: game? Most likely. Kevin, did you play um, did you play Cuphead?
0: Hell yeah. I loved Cuphead. I I don't remember ever talking about it with you. So I assume you're all in on the DLC too. I don't remember if I was on the podcast back then. You might not have been. That might be why.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I I loved Cuphead. So yes, I will be picking up the delicious last course. Which I hope isn't... They're not taking seriously. Like, I would hope that there's more DLC, but... oh, they're saying this is it. Yeah, I mean... It's a full-blown sequel? Oh,
0: they... They keep saying they did say? They keep saying this is it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Well, considering they how do, long it took Cuphead to come out, yeah. Then, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And how long the show's now taking to come out? I, I could see them doing the the DLC, launching the show, then circling back with a proper sequel after the show and the bigger audience.
1: But, but or you know what? I, I actually hope that they do something else because uh,
3: I don't need a, don't need a Cuphead sure. sequel. Yeah. yeah,
1: I I I love when smaller studios, uh, you know. I'll, I'll censor this, but when they whip their <laughs> out for like their first game, and then <laughs> just kill it with, uh,
0: with something new afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, so I'd be curious to see what they do next, almost more so than the delicious last quote. Like Cuphead's fun, but I suck at it because it's such like a bullet hell type of deal. But
1: yeah, but, um, besides- Cuphead is, uh, one of those games where you spend like 12 hours trying to Beat a boss. Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then you're like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do this tomorrow. And then the next day you do it within like your first couple of tries. Yeah. Which, which to be fair, even
0: for me, when I'm, you know, have to lower the difficulty, it's very gratifying when you come back later and just like kill it. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, besides those couple games, uh, there was only really one third party who kept things interesting on the Switch side, and that was Sega. They had two Switch games. Two. Everyone else had barely won, but they had Sonic Frontiers and through their Atlas subsidiary, which is still weird to say out loud, uh, Persona Five Arena Ultimax. Kevin, um, actually, hmm. Persona Four. Sorry, I missed Arena You're right; it is Persona Four. It's right here in my notes. It's Four, and I still said Five. Wow. Wow, man.
2: Credibility it's, outdoor.
0: I know. I'm. I'm. I'm just gonna leave the show now. No, but uh, Kevin, you are our resident Persona person. Is there hype to be had with this? Like it. what what is it? <laughs> it looks like a fighting game. Uh, Persona four
1: Ultimax is the sequel to Persona Four Arena, which is an Arc System Works fighter. So like if of you've played any of the Guilty Gear of Blaze Blue, of Dragon Ball Fighters. Oh okay. Of Were you gonna say one? Guilty were you gonna bring one up? I was
0: gonna say Guilty Gear.
1: Yeah, Guilty Gear. Yeah. Um they had another one recently called Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. I don't. I don't know if that came to Switch. These nice. names. Uh, but anyways, yeah. But anyways, uh, Persona Four Arena was very well received. Um, that was the first game that I believe uh, Arc started to uh, be a little more casual friendly. They had. I believe that's the game that started auto combos for for like. Their fighters in the future. So I know, I know uh, Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Fighters had an auto combo. I think that was their game afterwards. I believe Grand Blue Fantasy Versus also had one. I don't know if, if the new Guilty Gear Guilty Gear Strive has one, but um, the Game Award it, that, winning uh, Guilty Gear Strive. True. Yes, or um, sorry,
0: Guilty Gear hyphen Strive hyphen.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we never got. Persona 4 Arena Ultimax here in the States um, as well received as Persona 4 Arena was. And it was a straight up... Well, Persona 4 Arena was straight up a sequel to Persona 4. Uh, Whether it was canon or not is a different story. And so Arena Ultimax was the sequel to that one that brought in um, some more characters from the Persona 3 uh, games. Uh, This is a big deal. I know that they just announced. I know that Arc System Works just announced that uh, the latest Blaze Blue games uh, would be getting rollback netcode. Hmm. Um, I don't know if they've stated that this one would have rollback, but I'd be surprised if it didn't.
0: Yeah, it seems like if the um, architecture is in place, why would they then reverse course?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that'll be that'll be exciting to. To look forward to. I've never been a uh, a fighting game guy. I always wish that I was good at, at them. And Persona 4 Arena definitely definitely helped along with those uh, auto combos because not not only could you uh, just use the auto combos to to get like a decent combo going, but you could also use the auto combos for actual other regular combos. So you could auto combo into a regular combo. Or you could combo into the auto combo. And it was just, it added a surprising layer of depth. Hmm. Um, I don't know if this one has that or not because this one never came out in the States. So we'll just have to wait and see.
0: What, what is it? And maybe you don't have an answer to this, but why does Atlas seem to have some sort of weird vendetta against bringing the core Persona games to the Switch? Like, I, I'm, not, other people are noticing this, right? Like, there's no Persona 4, no Persona 5, but we have like three spin-offs between the two.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. Honestly, uh, the Switch is 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 absolutely perfect for the Persona games. Yeah, it makes. Uh, I know Persona. Yeah, thing. Persona Three g- got ported to the PSP, and Persona Four had Persona Four Golden on the Vita. So, I mean, it seems like a no brainer to me. Actually, I guess, I'm sure it would sell like hotcakes. I
0: guess there was a Persona on, on Switch, but not mistaken. Wasn't Nocturne or whatever on? Is that Persona? That's a Persona.
1: That's Shimogami Tetsu. Oh, you're right,
0: right. Oh, man. some Don't you dare. Man, in, them, in the episode where get... we talk We're about both, some... I mixed them up. <laughs> We're
1: going to get some heat for that I one. I know. Uh, I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, That's. I, I wonder if they'll like to, to – because this is starting the 25th anniversary of Persona. This is the first release as part of that celebration along with like a vinyl album collection or something. I wonder if they'll like wrap the anniversary by porting over Golden and 5 and all that to Switch. And even to like next yeah, gen, that'd be systems, cool. you know, Persona like 5 Crimson probably. would be cool. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, that was game one from Sega by way of Atlas. Uh, the other game was, so this one closed out, this was like the transition from the pre-show to the main show with, uh, with Persona. Um, and then in the main show, we had a sort of more proper reveal kind of, of Sonic Frontiers, which is the game we last saw like for 15 seconds in May or so. Uh, and now it's 90 seconds. And confirms. Yeah, back when it was called, uh, Sonic Rangers, I believe was the working time. Right. That sounds about right. Cause I think that's what it was, re- when we were talking about the rumors of it being kind of a Breath of the Wild game, it was, it was Rangers at that point, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it turns out, na- different name, same idea. Um, it looks like, based on the longer trailer, they're calling it an open zone game, not open world, open zone. Um, but it does look very much in the vein of Breath of the Wild, right down to the, Obligatory shot of Sonic standing on a cliff, looking at a vast landscape. Uh What do you guys make of it? It's not like uh,
1: Adventure
2: 3, so it, into the trash it goes. <laughs> I was kind of hoping they would, I don't know, I, I I have no idea what to think. We I feel like the, the trailer says a lot without saying
0: anything at all. It's tr- It screams it's Sonic better. 06 in art style, and I don't know how I feel about that.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. wish it was more in the Sonic Lost World style, because yes. I thought that game just looked really great. Not that it has to be, you know, tiny planets and stuff, just like that aesthetic. The kind of bolder colors. Like, you know, colors. actually make the world look like it's a game that Sonic came from, not plop them into our world again for the unteens time.
0: Yeah. I mean, Angel, does I it know, give you any confidence guess, knowing that, uh, apparently, the, of, the of Sonic Boom, Ian Flynn, is going to be heading up the story here? Does that make it give you a little hope because I know you like Sonic Boom.
2: Maybe a little bit,
0: but even then, not so much, just because of the real world.
2: Yeah, I guess not.
0: Yeah, it's it's. There's a part of me. I guess I'm just gonna hmm. be cautiously
2: optimistic. I guess. Yeah, there's
0: a part of me that's almost like weirdly cautiously optimistic. Like I don't want to. I'm not going to. I'm not even in the area of doing this, but th- I don't want us to come to the Sonic cycle. Um you know like i like like the game presented is not doing that for me yet i do keep finding myself like repeatedly thinking about how an open world maybe actually could work for sonic like in kind of a spider-man game sort of way like the spider-man games you did combat and stuff and i mean like like the ps2 one and stuff like you did combat and stuff but like really a lot or a large portion of that game was about the travel right like there's people get beat up, but how fun was it just swinging around those different New York cities in those games and getting that web-slinging momentum going and doing different moves, and it was just kind of fun to just go around town. And I feel like if Sega Pol- plays their cards right, like, the parallels are kind of there because a big thing with Sonic games, right, is building the momentum, maintaining your top speed, kind of going around... Um, you know, even going back into 2D games, and then accidentally hitting a wall and then yeah, and and, and and you know, an open world that's the, or an open they're is- gonna
1: have to figure out a way to get around that.
0: Well, I mean, an open an open zone doesn't have walls you have to hit, so if they can just translate that twitchy, like reactive gameplay to avoid walls and enemies and stuff into this, it could work. But the thing is, like every time we talk about this game and see the game, there's the Breath of the Wild parallels, um. And that just feels off. Like if they are doing Breath of like, you know, Breath of Wild is slower. It's more methodical. You're doing like physics puzzles. You're cooking, you're crafting. Climbing takes time. Traveling takes time. Even horseback takes time. But like if they just, I don't know. And, and obviously Frontiers isn't doing itself any favors by looking like Zelda. I mean, literally the cliff shot, the, the ancient ruins aesthetic of this supposed Starfall Islands that the game's set on, like.
1: It's not doing it itself any favors by looking like Sonic 06. Yeah, that too.
0: (laughs) That too, but it's, it's, it's all contributing to this weird cognitive dissonance of what like Sonic is and what like the tropes of what they're showing, be it 06 or Zelda, like represent like gameplay wise, like they're such different things, but if they line this up right, and maybe I'm giving Sonic Team too much credit, but if What they're actually doing with the gameplay is kind of the, like, kinetic energy of, like, the Spider-Man games. At that point, like, it doesn't matter how, like, get really structures what's going on, whatever sort of parallels to shrines they come up with or what boss fights you need to do or whatever. If they can create a world that's just fun to run through like it was to swing through Spider-Man, I feel like the rest can maybe fall into place here. Like, you know, they have to figure out the twitchy gameplay because you're right about the running into the walls. Um, But honestly, like, the that's always something I didn't particularly like about Sonic was you're going, you're going, you're doing your thing, and then there goes your momentum, you just, it's gone. And I realized that, you know, at the time they did that, because the twitchy gameplay, and figuring out the rapid fire decisions, and making your way through things, and overcoming those obstacles, and those enemies, and whatnot, is the idea. But they can, like, I don't know, sub that out for maybe as you're running around the open world, I don't know, maybe there's different enemies you can interact with, or there's different, like, missions you can go on that kind of, like, breeze by, and you have to decide quickly what you want to do. Like, maybe there's a way they can get the flow right, where they could kind of Spider-Man it a little. And if they do that, that might actually be really fun, just in terms of that sort of feel. Or, because this is a Sonic Team Sonic game, it'll play out exactly as we all fear. It's going to be Sonic 6 2, and this is nothing but a pipe dream of mine, but, you know, the the, the better game. But who knows? But yeah, just, I'm holding out a little hope. I feel like if, if they nail that feeling of running, there, there could be something here. Maybe. I don't know. Fingers crossed. We can only hope. Yeah. But the Game Wars did, did give us a different Sonic thing, too. Um, we got a double dose because, uh, alongside Frontiers, we also got the first trailer for the second Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which introduces Tails, who's voiced by the same actress as the video games, which is pretty cool. And Knuckles, who, um, I don't think we ever talked about this when the news broke. It's voiced by, uh, Idris Elba. So that, that's a thing. what do you guys think of the trailer? You more into that than the, than the game?
2: Still haven't I'm seen more the movie other than the game. <laughs> but No, I
0: mean are you more into the trailer again, you know, than the for the movie than you were the trailer for Frontiers?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know, I mean it looks fun like the first one. Uh but yeah, just cautiously optimistic, trying to keep expectations tempered. But I don't know. I like Nuggles, I like this voice. Um loads of references it says... Many people have noticed, but.
0: Yeah, that's what stood yeah, out to me. Just looks fun. The references really stood out to me. Like it feels like, it feels like it's more comfortable in its video game skin, if that makes sense. Like the sheer number of like gamery things and references to the games, It just, I don't know, it's just much more prevalent. Well, um, I saw a good list of them on, on GameSpot, which I'll link to in the blog post or episode, um, when I'm putting it all together, but. Yeah, I mean, they got the Chaos Emeralds, they got Snowborne, they got Chili Dogs, they got, you know, even the coffee shops called like Mean Beans, uh, they have the biplane. It just seems like they're leaning a lot harder into the source material this go around, which is, which is nice. It, it's kind of a trend I've noticed in the video game adaptations in general. Like, I feel like up to this point, or up until the last couple of years, they're trying so hard to like normalize the concepts of games for non-gamers, but like these IPs are so big and mainstream that like, I don't think they really feel the need to do it anymore. I mean, we have a Halo TV show showing up the game where it's, that look just like Halo. There's a Resident Evil reboot that came out in theaters a month or two ago that just straight up lifted the set pieces out of the first game. Almost exactly the same. You know, Cuphead, Castlevania, League of Legends, Arcane, all these are popular anime projects that stay very true to the source material from my understanding. It's just,
2: if Sonic... Yeah, I, haven't, I mean, I don't play League of Legends, but Arcane is from so far.
0: Yeah, I've only heard great things about it. Kevin, have you watched it?
2: No, I haven't
1: seen. I'm it.
0: surprised. I, I honestly thought you would have.
1: Uh, I mean, I don't play League. No, evidence, I know, so. but
0: just like you like things that are animated. <laughs> I don't know. Like,
2: <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for, I mean, if it wasn't for like how much discourse um, has been going on at work about Arcane, like I probably wouldn't have watched it, even if I had. Good, it was just a good show. I mean, there's plenty of shows that we yeah hear are good all the time, but I, I think that's one it's talked about so much that. That I just had to be like, all right, I need to watch this because I can either just be like, yeah, that sounds cool, or be part of the conversation.
0: I think that's what I was trying to yeah, get, at Kevin. Like, really you you're, you're usually up on the latest releases and what's like well received, so that's where, especially in the animated worlds, so that's kind of where that came from. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's cool. I'll I'll watch it at some point. I feel like I'm gonna watch it just because I'm curious. And like all the music at the Game Awards was from Arcane. All the live, all two of the live performances from Arcane. So. Uh, or I take that back, Cuphead. So all Netflix shows. There we go. Um, but Yeah, it's just nice that we're at this point where they don't need to, like, clean up stuff for a general audience, make it more palatable or, or anything. Like, it's just, you know, it doesn't need to be grounded. It could just be what it is. And I'm hoping Sonic 2, like, it looks like it's being very, like, I don't know how better word is, but kind of balls to the wall. Like my source shows a video game, and it is what it is, and it's cool that they like are doing that after trying to make the first one a little grounded. So we'll we'll see how it pans out in April, but it looks it looks promising. Um, I think that's it on the news side of the game awards, but we we didn't cover the actual awards. I mean, we made predictions last episode, and we haven't talked about how right or wrong we were. Kevin, how how did we do? We did terribly. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we. <laughs>
1: Man, all right. Uh, we're not going through the entire no, thing. We're right? we're just gonna go through the categories. Okay. Uh, most anticipated. I nailed it with Elden Ring, and uh, you guys chose both uh, Breath of the Wild. 2. I didn't think Elden Ring would get it two uh, years in a
0: row. Honestly,
1: I'm telling you, man, it, that trailer that came out or that uh that beta that came out really uh helped out. True, true. Uh, best best multiplayer. We all got it right with It Takes Two. Best Family Game, we whiffed it super hard here. Uh, yeah. That one went to It Takes Two as well. Best RPG, also whiffed it. It went to Tales of Arise, which none of us chose for either of our uh Just,
0: just to back up for a second, what did we pick for Best Family? Did we all agree on Mario Party?
1: Yeah. Mm. We chose Superstars for both. What we wanted to win and what we thought would win. Isn't
0: It Takes Two like about a divorce or something? It doesn't seem like a family. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's about bringing to a family pure, together. together. Yeah, but it like a very awkward one yeah, to, it's like a, to start kind off of a with a dark like. family game versus, you know, Pokemon Snap with cute little badoofs running around, but anyway, sorry, continue.
1: Yeah, uh best adventure we nailed it with Metroid Dread. Mm-hmm. Which congrats Metroid Dread. Well deserved. Best ongoing uh with there as well. Final Fantasy fourteen took that one. We all chose Fortnite, and then I chose Apex Legends as what I would want to win. Uh, best Art Direction. Oh, you know what? I don't... I forgot we even did this one, but I'm pretty sure that didn't go to uh, Ratchet & Clank, which we all chose. Ratchet & Clank didn't win anything, which yeah, was...
0: Yeah, that was strange. Uh, art Direction Whoa, went to Deathloop, if I remember correctly, Kevin. Yeah, and I don't think Psychonauts 2 won no, anything either. it was weird. Yeah, it was like... yeah. You know what's weird is Art Direction and Direction were won by Deathloop. I'm kind of like, they're. I understand they're different, but like different categories, but like, come on, like art, if you're going to get Best Direction in Deathloop, you could highlight a different art style for Art Direction. Just, just, just
1: saying. Yeah. And then uh, Game of the Year, we all yeah. whipped yeah. it with our Metroid Dread pick, went to It Takes Two. Which, uh... Well deserved for It Takes Two. Yeah, yeah. Congrats, I mean, I've, I hear two. nothing but great things about that mm-hmm. So. But it's pretty wild how, how surprised, but not, but not, uh, disappointed. I guess. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And once I beat it, I'll definitely talk about it. Cause yeah, it's definitely really fun so far.
0: Very different.
1: Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, I went three for eight and you guys, I think went two for eight. Jeez. That's
0: embarrassing. Oh man. 25%. That's like super fail.
1: Best family game, I think, was the one that was like, "Jesus Christ, really?" Yeah, I mean, I, even when we were talking better. about,
0: it, we couldn't really settle on which of the Nintendo games was going to win, but we all just assumed to be a Nintendo game because it takes two. Again, yeah. it tonally, doesn't really fit as well. I feel like. Also, yeah. a family game implies more than two people involved. Family. I mean, I guess you could play with like a uh, sibling, but like I feel like if it's family, it's like you're all together. It's a group. I don't know.
1: I don't necessarily agree with that, fair, but okay. Fair. I mean, if it's just you and your partner, that's that—that's your family, right? That's here. true.
0: That's true. Actually, yeah, I guess that would be more yeah, best.
1: wouldn't
2: you get this more than anyone because you come from a smaller family?
0: Right. Yeah. So I would think my whole family because there's only three of us. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because obviously if you guys are your best family, you're like, oh, well, we're not going to invite, like, all the cousins over. That would be nuts. And the game doesn't support that. But I'm like, oh, best family. Yeah, there's three of us. Easy. We could all do Mario Party. But now looking at the... Actually, looking at the nominees, only Mario Party works with more than two people anyway. So I don't know what I'm thinking. Like, Pokemon's two people. Mario 3D World's two people. WarioWare's two people. Unless you do the party games, but that's only a subset of the game. So, yeah, never mind. Never mind. But there is one other type of award we got to talk about. It's our final segment of the episode. It's our own Game of the Year picks. Um. So as is tradition... I think we each tend to go around and share the one game available on the Switch that resonated strongest with us individually. Um, for the non-Nintendo picks, we have the nonies or whatever we call them coming up and whenever we do the next R-non. But for the Nintendo side of things, the Nintendo side of the house, uh, I think we're each going to pick one and just round-robin it. So, And maybe, you know, if you want to explain why you feel the way you do. But I don't know, Angel, Kevin, which one of you wants to take the lead on this?
2: Uh, Wouldn't what does, what does it make sense that uh, Jason goes first? Why?
0: I feel like I talk so much, mm-hmm. I'm trying to give myself a break. <laughs> I can, if you want.
2: I mean, I, I, I feel I feel we just kind of have to give it to you. It's like the most, uh, it's like a, you're on. All
0: right. Um, sure. I'm going to... Th- Especially considering how
2: much I played non-Nintendo games today, with the exception of Smash Brothers.
0: Well, and Metroid. You beat that. Um... I'm talking about how much. Oh, okay, fine. Like quantity. All right, because fine. I'll go first. I'm going to throw a curveball here quite literally. I'm, for the first time, I think, not picking a first-party game or a Nintendo World affiliate. World Heroes, what? No, no. Uh, no, I'm going with Knockout City, believe it or not. Um, now, before everyone guffaws at that, uh I'm the guy who in the past um, I did talk up Pokemon. Wait, you say you are or not?
2: No, I'm not. Oh. Okay. That was
3: definitely pretty. Yeah, because I like I'm the, like a very good
0: Jason. Yeah, game. like I, you know, past years I've talked about Pokemon Go, I've talked about Tetris 99, all these kind of atypical choices. So yeah, I guess maybe it's not a shocker. Um, and this choice does not mean I think Metroid Dread is a because that was kind of the other potential. I don't think it's necessarily less a lesser game in design or or knockout somehow more polished or whatever. But I guess at the end of the day, like the game just resonated with me most in 2021 um, than anything else. Like from the initial just beta...
1: I just brought flashbacks of. Jason getting pelted by dodgeballs in elementary
2: school. Yeah, how he managed to have fun in that game is beyond me. I think just probably playing with friends, is amazing, well,
0: which is really fun. Yeah, but I mean, like, really well, fun. one, I never got pelted with dodgeballs that intensely in elementary school. I, I was an average dodgeballer. Um, but no, like, with this, it's just, I don't know, just consistently all year, whether I was good or not, it, it was just a fun game. I think what really resonated with me about Knockout was it's very Nintendo-y without being by Nintendo. And I think in large part, it's because the developers, um, at, what was it, Valen, Valen, however you say it, Valen Studios, they kind of, to use a very 2021 phrase, they kind of understood the assignment. Like they saw how Nintendo goes about approaching their gameplay, you know, starting with a unique riff on genre that's a very fundamental premise and then building around that in ways that keep it approachable, but offer some depth. So like here, for those who haven't played it, you know, the riff is a third person shooter, except it's dodgeball. It's not actually shooting so anyone can hop in and get that you're just throwing balls at another team and trying to catch theirs you never need to do anything except throw and catch but if you choose to dig a little deeper the way they kind of layer in the strategies you know um it's all still just throwing but as a solo pro player there's different types of throws you can account for and different techniques depending on you know each special ball assigned at the game of the match as a team player there's then a whole now third level of strategy and how you can throw around your teammates or power up your own throws or throw your teammates into the air as a bomb of sorts. Um, And then you can mix and match all these strategies, I guess, in different ways to kind of find a playstyle that does suit you. But ultimately, it's all still based around that same one mechanic of just a ball being thrown, which, as absurd as it sounds, I feel like it's getting kind of rare these days for any ongoing multiplayer online game to have just one sole mechanic. Like, this isn't a diss against any other game by any means or saying... Oh, something's too easy or something too com- complicated. But a lot of the biggest multiplayer experiences, I feel like, don't have layers on top of one concept. They now have multiple concepts, like in parallel. Like you know, Fortnite. They do shooting, they do crafting, they do social things. I don't really know what to call it. Or you know, they maybe do have a simple premise, but you, it's not easy to actually pick up and play. Like Rocket League. You can just play it and have fun. But if you want to get good, you need to understand the physics. And there's kind of this deeper thing in order to get good it's not like oh you can choose to be strategic it's like no you need to understand these physics a certain way in order to actually win and i just think as games in general move into more complicated schemes with free-to-play models and gameplay that's like you know three four five six different elements all mixed together it was just cool to see a developer who isn't nintendo able to find a successful way to implement that kind of nintendo simplicity in a multiplayer game in 2021 that actually has like a new unique gameplay pre- uh like premise and can build depth around it in kind of accessible way and it's just really fun and it, you know maybe th- there's stuff that like isn't necessarily gonna make or break the game like the wacky 50s meets the future aesthetic is fine like it doesn't take itself seriously it has that kind of silly announcer um, but they keep just like building on that soul core mechanic in new interesting ways with the different seasons. You know, like uh they're transforming levels at one point. Uh Right now in the current season, there are these little, little UFOs you can ride on top of and they can actually hold a ball for you with their tractor beam under you, meaning that they kind of just low-key introduced the mechanic of being able to hold two balls at once for the first time in the game. So yeah, that I guess, I guess that's my pick. Um Like Val, Val and Valen, they just did a good nintendo impression and in the process made a really fun game that's a lot a lot of fun to play online simple as that um i don't necessarily think i would have picked knockout um if nintendo didn't happen to have a very b tier year like we got a lot of solid conference on nintendo this year you know new pokemon snap margot super rush warrior, warrior get together mario party superstars uh many of them are long overdue sequ- sequels that people want but I don't know, nothing outside maybe Metroid Dread for its sheer atmosphere really rose to the top of the heap in my mind. Like, even Bowser's Fury inside Mario 3D World, like, that came close because I really liked how it, like, mixed and matched and remixed so many past Mario 3 concepts. But it wasn't really a full game. It was kind of like this side thing. So, in terms of variety, I'd say it had a very fun, strong year. But in terms of, like, a single game that stood out yeah, I think Knockout City just just happened to be the one that gained the most traction with me. And, and I think you're right, Andrew, in part it's because I was playing online with friends and it was just super fun, but I think it's also because it was fresh, it wasn't a sequel, and just it was a Nintendo-style thing that was new, but actually somehow it didn't come from Nintendo. So so that's my pick, Knockout City.
3: And yeah, What a
0: great pick it is. It is, right?
1: I mean, we, we, all, have, we all have tons of yeah, fun we, with Knockout City. I feel like City, every like right? three
0: episodes we talk about how great it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Which there's a new
0: season coming out, right? Uh it's Sorry. already happening with that UFO. It just came out. Yeah, it started it last week. Out. Oh wow. Gotta go into that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's fun. It's fun. Um but what about you guys? What What? I, I have a feeling I know, but what's what's your pick? Yeah,
1: uh Dread. Yeah. Just they they did really well on a I guess dying genre. We haven't seen any new Metroids in forever. Well, I guess uh Metroid uh Returns, but we haven't seen a lot of good Castlevanias recently. The most recent one that I can think of that was highly regarded was uh what's that one by the original Metroidvania? What was the name? Um Bloodstained. Bloodstained.
0: Yeah,
1: Bloodstain. Yeah. Blood yeah. Um I mean they nailed everything. The the atmosphere was great. The the controls are nice and tight, with the exception of that uh of what was the What's it called? I forget. Spaceform? Spaceball? What? Help me out here, Angel. Spaceball? The movie what? Spaceballs? What? <laughs> no, not Space. Uh, <laughs> are you, are, the, are the you talking about that, the Allspark? All not
0: Allspark, that's Transformers. The Gravity the, Jump?
1: Gravity Jump. There oh, we go. Gravity okay. Jump. They've, that, that could be a little bit tighter, but aside from that, I had tons of fun with that game. Uh, I don't know what else to say, though. I mean, if you go back to that episode where we just talk about it the emmy stuff a little disappointing but aside from that i had fun with pretty much or enjoyed every aspect of the game aside from that
0: i mean it is a solid pick there's no doubt like it's it's my runner up and it's a close one and i'm I'm sure if i actually beat yeah. it it might have actually <laughs> taken the crown but what about
1: angel what about you if i want to give a runner up it, pro- it probably would be knockout city mm, though yeah so we, we just
0: flipped cool. each other essentially yeah pretty much
2: yeah, I think my runner up would probably be Pokemon Unite. Another am remiss to mention because I haven't played that mode yet, but they did add like a snowball fight mode during this winter season, which, you know, kind of just to kind of show that they are throwing temporary side modes like a lot of these mm-hmm. kind of games do. Like, I think, didn't Overwatch have some kind of snowball themed fight at some point that people really loved? Yeah. Or it was like a May thing or something. Mm-hmm. That was like but I, the, I mean longer.
1: May was like the main character that they showed, but yeah, there was like a snowball,
2: a snowball fight version. Uh, but yeah, oh yeah, obviously, um, it couldn't be anything else for me but Metro Dread, and just to kind of build on what um uh, Kevin has said, because yeah, um, controls feel great, like I, everything about it was just, I mean, I yeah, I just personally loved everything about it. I love that the game, like, was actually challenging, like it had. Like, it wasn't the hardest game ever, but, like, I definitely felt like, like oh, I have to, like, stop and, like, learn some things. Like, it, I didn't feel like I could just steamroll it. Like, I had to respect the design at times. But I felt like after beating it, like, I definitely got that feeling that I get from games that always stick with me for a long time. Where it's, like, it's, like, damn, like, this game, like, just makes me feel, it's, like... Validation for, well, it's not validation. That's not the right word. Um, it reinforces how much I guess, or why I, it reminds me why I was such a big fan of the 2D Metroids. Or, and also just like kind of Metroid in general. Like this game just made Samus look really awesome. Like Samus is just an awesome character. Just the way like she was portrayed throughout the game. Just like way more confident, way more fearless, way more like, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna deal with your nonsense. I'm just trying to, write, like, to censor myself. Nice
0: self-censoring. Like,
2: like, just like, yeah, you know, just like the body language and like, just like the way like she like confronts like Kraid when you encounter Kraid. Like, I don't know. I just didn't really expect that from Samus. Usually, Samus is like just acting like alert. Oh, I'm still gonna fight everything as if mm-hmm. it's like going kill me. But in this game, I got like a vibe of I am the most dangerous thing here for the most part. Like you're the one to fear me except for the Emmy, like you know she definitely ran away from those because he kind of had to but yeah like i don't know especially that like ending sequence and just like how it all still like tied together like you know the story that the the small simple story that was told in five games especially because i've kind of replayed those games multiple times in those how many years since Metroid uh, Fusion came out? 2002 played...
0: to 2021, so 19 years. Is that possible?
2: Yeah, because like, I've replayed Metroid Fusion at least two or three times between that time. I've replayed Metroid Zero Mission at least once in addition to the first time I beat it, obviously. The only one I didn't replay was Super Metroid, which surprisingly is my least favorite, even though it's like the one that's usually the highest regarded. But yeah, Mercury Steam specifically, like, damn, like, the way they followed up the 3DS version, because I thought that game was awesome, and they just kind of improved on that. So, yeah, definitely couldn't be anything else. After that, after you unite, you know, probably Rogue Heroes, because that was just kind of surprising. We but haven't even talked about Rogue Heroes on the podcast.
0: Scratch the at on. some point should touch on that. I don't think we've yeah. played enough of that game to talk about it,
2: <laughs> but... Well, played enough of that. I don't think we've progressed we played enough. enough of one and a half done. Definitely played it. About. Yeah, a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, yeah Metroid Dread, it's definitely. And I, and I think that like yeah, definitely pay attention to the 2D Metroid games, not just Metroid Prime. It's not all about Metroid Prime.
0: Nintendo really got lucky with the yeah. developers they handed Metroid to. I mean, Mercury Steam with the 2D's, Retro with the 3D's, with Prime. Like, yeah. They, they picked them well. Yep. They picked pick them pick well. Them but well, yeah, I think right. that, um, pretty much does it for this episode.
2: You're not going to go into your spiel, follow thongs. No, I will, or, but, well, we're or, not quite done.
0: We're done with this episode, dip, but dipper, yeah, oh, hold on. Dipper, dipper. What? Skipper. Do you listen to podcasts slipper. in like an ice cream scoop? What Dipper? But, um, yeah, no, we're not quite there yet because. While this is the last round of of the year, um, as those who have listened to our last couple episodes may recall, our 10-year anniversary celebration is still ongoing. Uh, by the time people listen to this, we will have just wrapped up our Twitter giveaway of two $20 eShop credits, but we've got one more $20 credit to hang out. Um, a handout. I can't talk tonight. Handout, and it's on YouTube. Uh, so for your chance to win, all you need to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel, RamNintendoCom, all one word, no spaces, no punctuation, uh, before the end of the year. That's it. Just subscribe to us before the end of the year, and then we're going to pick one lucky subscriber out of a hat, and reach out to them with that final uh, fine $20 eShop code. I really can't talk. Um Plus, there is something to be said about subscribing to us anyway, because to Angel's point, if you subscribe to us on all the podcast apps, from Stitcher, to TuneIn, to Pandora, to Spotify, to Apple Podcasts, to Google Podcasts, to iHeartRadio, to apparently Dipper, which... I guess is a thing because Angel said, um, you can make sure you don't miss any future episodes. And you can also follow us on Twitter at RamNintendo to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, and we're going to be starting off 2022 pretty strongly with our next episode because we'll be having some potential belated indie world highlights, uh, impressions of games like Big Brain Academy, Brain vs. Brain, maybe Rogue Heroes, and who knows what else. So um, until then, you can find us individually on Twitter for our thoughts on games life and I guess everything in between. I'm JSR7. Wero W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomi. And I'm going to slip in before we get to the final word that everyone should have a happy holiday and a happy new year. And now, Kevin, final word of the year. I mean, you stole it
1: from my mouth. Happy holiday and happy new year, everybody.